Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. This episode, I've got uh, Lucas, right? Yeah. I put too much time. <laughs> I, I, I tried too hard. Um, well, how's it going, man? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Um, I'm happy to be here to chat about The Crush. Yes. So The Crush, and um, this is awesome for me because I, I thought I was going to have to choose between the random draw that took place on the East Coast and The Crush and nothing against you, man, but like the reason why I chose them was because I wanted to go into the whole like women's uh, debate, um, especially because it's a you know, different region and whatnot. And so I was actually really happy when you hit me up saying, hey, dude, I just did this tournament. Like, can we talk about it? So um, thank you so much for doing so. And on the off chance, no one knows who you are. Just give us a real quick spiel on who you are and what you've done and why we're talking. Yeah. Um, my name is Lucas Boyle. I play on uh, Fortune out of Seattle. And uh, I'm also uh, one of the coaches for Team USA. Um, so uh, I guess where where's a good place to start? Um, actually, just for my own personal, it's it's Lucas, like the Spanish candy, right? Yes. Okay. How come? Why don't you put your last name on Facebook? Because that's oh, what throws me off. Yeah, I, I had it. I had it for a while. I had it for a while, and then. Um, I pronounce my name with a Spanish accent. Um, my mom was born and raised in Panama, and so my brother and sister have Latin names, and so I really wanted to like accentuate that. Okay. And so one day, early early Facebook, when people were still messing around with names and stuff, uh, I decided I'd split it up and kind of accentuate the cost. And, uh, yeah, there's no looking back. It's, it's, been a, it's been a few years. This is your life now. Yeah. I, so I, I hear people say Lou and then I hear people go Luke pause and then cause I'm like, it's, it should be Lucas. Like I, I know how that is pronounced. So hopefully yeah, moving yeah, forward, I, I won't, I won't butcher that anymore. Cause I know I've done it in previous episodes, but, uh, all right. I'm yeah. It's, it's like Lucas with a Spanish pronunciation, Lucas. Yeah. The, the Mexican candy. But um, I love, I love all the Lou's and I love all the uh, Lou spice causes. So I, I embrace it all. I appreciate all the love. Awesome. Yeah. At least people are talking about you. So that's, that's always the, the takeaway. But, um, so the crush, um, what was this and, and why? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the inspiration behind this kind of came after Worlds. Um, this past year, Worlds took place over Thanksgiving break, and and uh, it was just it was just thrilling and exciting. And uh, both men's and women's teams took gold. And yet, I I asked a bunch of players. I was like, "What's the best foam tournament in in the states? You know, what's the best seven inch foam tournament?" and players had a hard time coming up with an answer. And so I felt, I felt kind of obligated to start hosting more foam, seven inch foam tournaments. And, and I kind of made it a goal to myself. I was like, you know what, in the next, in the next three years, I want to be hosting the biggest seven inch foam tournament in the States. Nice. Uh, that was kind of my pipe dream. So this year was like kind of the first step uh, in, on that journey. And so uh, I recognized like a little gap in the kind of tournament schedule. I wanted to try to get a tournament in before the USA dates um, got rolling. And so I checked in with Jake and I threw some dates at him. I said, hey, do you have anything on the West Coast on, on these weekends? And we found a date that worked. And I kind of went from there. Uh, I guess what started as kind of a local tournament um, caught some attention from folks around the country, and we ended up we ended up with 27 teams, um, 17 open division teams, and 10 women's teams, nice. and there were players from all over. We had folks from Canada. We had Whistler, Vancouver, Victoria, Surrey. And then we had folks from all over the Northwest. We had like Seattle, Tacoma, Centralia, Lacey, Vancouver, Washington. And then of course our Portland friends. And then we even had folks from San Francisco, Sacramento, LA. And then, uh, and then we had some special visitors from Chicago and Phoenix and San Diego and, and Dallas. Uh, we also had a, 
some folks from uh, Texas that I should mention. So uh, it, things just kind of snowballed and it ended up being the biggest tournament I've ever held in Seattle, which was uh, ecstatic. It was, it was thrilling to be a part of and uh, just to get to welcome so many people and kind of play and celebrate together. Nice. Yeah, I was pretty surprised with like how many people showed up um, from from across the U.S. And it sounds like we had a pretty good showing um, with Arizona, with Phoenix people. So um, one thing I wanted to ask you, because um, I don't know if people think about this, especially with, you know, you got the National Dodgeball Invitational coming up this weekend. I know the East is having another tournament. But is there like a like a step-by-step process that are that you feel like are pivotal to hosting a tournament? Like, yeah. Like, do you got to yeah, check yeah, in yeah. with somebody or like, like, how does that, um, what's that look like? I think, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's funny you ask. Cause I, you know, I've made all the mistakes and I'm still making them, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I think the best thing to do first is find a date that works for your community and kind of your adjacent communities. Um, and then, um, maybe a handful of dates, a couple of dates, and then take, take those dates to, um, you know, your next level up. So whether that's USA dodgeball and just check in and say, Hey, um, are there, do you know of any events happening at this time? And, and Jake, Jake and USA dodgeball have a pretty good, uh, thumb on the pulse of tournament scene. Uh, so they can kind of tell you if they have anything planned or if they know of anything. Um, so that's kind of the first thing I, do and then the next thing i do is try to get um try to get buy-in from the teams and players that i'm looking to attract so sometimes i'll create like a messenger group with just those team captains or those players and i'll say hey um you know like this is something i want to do i want you guys all to be there does this date work for you and that really kind of getting all that buy-in in advance really helps make everything else work really well. Um, and then for this tournament, I did all those things. And then, and then I, once I had like the website set up and all the registration set up, I, I jumped on dodgeball family and just, just tried to, tried to just send the message out like hey folks like if anyone is down to come to seattle like we would love to have you this is going to be fun we're going to play seven inch foam and come out there and just i think just letting people know that if they make an effort to come that you are gonna um you're gonna reciprocate by doing as much as you can to be a great host for them nice that's kind of cool that's definitely something i wanted to kind of pick your brain on real briefly um mostly because it's just for anybody that's like thinking about hosting a tournament right now. Um, seems like they're kind of popping up all over. Um, at least until we find out what's going on with the rest of the rounds. Um, so that's good. I mean, I feel like there's like a, a checklist or a way that you can kind of set yourself up for success so that we have a good turnout for that event. Um, and I'm sure Tyler has a different, um, process, which I'll ask him about. And then once I'm moving it back over to the East, I'll, I'll see if I can get some best practices there too. So real quick, so if I if I say I was going to have a tournament um, and I reached out to Jake right now, um, is that a way I can potentially get the uh, rounds three and four dates squeezed out of them? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that strategy. <laughs> That's one way to get it, right? Maybe. Yeah, totally. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. <laughs> no, um, on. I mean, one thing I didn't mention and I think is relevant for the USA dates conversation is. I will never, never, never promote an event until I book the gym. Right. You know, like I, in, in the past I've done that and it's the most terrifying thing you'll ever do. And you, you don't ever want to come to the table and invite people to something when that gym is not booked and paid for and the contract is done. Um, so I totally, I can, I sympathize with USA. I know, how hard it is to book the gym for one tournament, let alone like 16 different venues and kind of sight unseen, like trying to do it remotely. So I think the one thing I didn't mention in my kind of simplified process was after you get a sign off from everybody on these dates, then you're battling with the venues for their availability. And so you've got all these tricky Venn diagrams that are overlapping and sometimes 
there's only one day in the next six months that's going to work and uh, it can be very challenging so the crush i i was working on that venue for about four months uh just trying to get that date trying to nail nail them down and just get it all figured out and so that process that i described in like 30 seconds like it was took forever but um but anyways i thought i'd mention that for folks at home who are waiting for tournament dates it's like man one tournament is ridiculous uh 16 uh no thank you yeah and so that's actually you raise a really good point because right now a lot of people not that i wanted to spend too much time on this uh, definitely go back to the actual event itself but a lot of people are complaining um, that it's really hard to plan the vacation time. It's really hard to plan their budgeting and this and that. But then what do you, th- what do you think is worse just between you and me? Like, is it worse for you to let me know a month in advance that this gym is for sure going to happen? Or is it better for me to make all these plans, book all these flights and then set up and then find out a week later, Hey, the gym that we were thinking about is actually not going to work out. Yeah. I mean, I, gosh, I, I, if I had to choose one or the other, it would be, the month in advance, you know, like I would, if I had to err on the side of either not giving players enough time or pulling, pulling an event because, sorry, because because stuff, (laughs) because stuff fell through. Like I would rather give people less time than cancel things because stuff fell through and it, and it's rough. It's, it's, it's none of those are ideal. And it sounds like, probably the 2021 season will have a lot of things done in advance. And um, I think that would be great. But um, yeah, I would, I mean, especially now that people are booking flights, like you just can't be wrong anymore. Right. Like, like I I told that to my gyms numerous times, like, Hey, like I have, I have people who want to fly in. So like, I need that contract. Like I'm, I can't go ahead with my promotions until you give me that contract. And they're all, they're always just like, oh, well, they're waiting for the athletic department. And I'm just like, okay, that's great. They're like, go ahead. You can start promoting. I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to even go near promoting until I have that contract. So please help me. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think I would err on the same side as well. And I mean, I, I think, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't remember Elite having this issue, but maybe you can. Did did they ever have an issue where they had an event and they lost the gym? I I want to say there's been issues where the gyms, the venues changed last minute or had to be adjusted. Um, I can't imagine like how much gray hair that might have put on Mark's head had that happened. Yeah, maybe but, Mark, maybe Mark could tell us about that because I yeah. feel like it's happened, but it's probably been behind the scenes and we just didn't know about it, right? Like, yeah. So like, yeah, a lot of stress, but, um, yeah, if I had to pick one or the other, I, it would be waiting until I secured the venue before I, uh, invited anyone. Yeah. I think the one that's going to hurt the community more is, uh, you plan for this event and then last minute changes and just working with the bureaucracy of like parks and rec gyms alone, that could take a long time, but, um, yeah, yeah. definitely, uh, maybe we can revisit that later if we need to, but definitely because I know I've only got you for like another maybe 30 minutes, but definitely want to go into the actual event itself. So um, I want to ask you, like, what was your biggest takeaway? So it was 27 teams. Um, you pulled people from all over the U.S. It was four months in the making. Sounds like this is one step towards, you know, becoming like the premier foam tournament uh, host or events. But like, what, what was your biggest takeaway overall? Biggest takeaway? I think I think 7-inch foam is spreading like wildfire. Um Seattle traditionally played 8.5 rubber. We started playing 8.25 foam a little while back, maybe in 2012. So we've been we've been doing that in our rec leagues for a while now. But our competitive stuff has switched over to seven inch. Um, our northern neighbors in Vancouver. BC have started, made the switch to seven inch. They have a huge 8.25 foam league, but their top players are super locked in the seven inch. And I think this tournament was just evidence that there's a lot of interest in this ball type, a lot of interest in connecting with kind of the national team programs, whether it be team Canada or team USA. And 
I think that there, there's certainly, you're seeing some unification happening in the States with seven inch foam. With foam, crazy. Um, and to that effect, like we, we had six courts and we were probably at the limit uh, of, for number of teams we could handle. So we had six courts going at once and, and I'm already thinking ahead to next year, like we need a bigger venue. So, um, yeah, I think that's just kind of a, a testament to how much people are kind of rallying behind this ball type or are super curious about it to, to, at the very least. Yeah. To give it a shot. That's awesome. Um, was this a USA dodgeball sanctioned event or is this like completely independent or did they have like any role other than, you know, just letting you know, Hey, that date's good to go for them. Uh, there was, there was no, I would say it's a dodgeball Seattle event. Um, Jake gave us his blessing coach, coach Brett from team USA was there. Uh, I was there. So we were, we were, we were there technically as players, but we were also kind of scouting and keeping an eye on like local players and thinking about combine invites. So that was certainly happening. Um, I, it wasn't a promotional point though. We never really brought that up. Uh, I think partly because the event sold out so fast, so hmm. we didn't need to, but um, yeah, it was a Dodgeball Seattle event. So it was, <laughs> it was our biggest one ever. So it was pretty awesome. That's cool. Um... One of the things I want to ask was, um, maybe this might tie in with the highlights as well that you listed, but um, kind of talking about like how people are starting to rally behind this ball. Um, do you think there's any players that you notice primarily on the Pacific Northwest side that, that you know we could look out for or should look out for come round one or round two, like just that are going to make that leap into the uh, competitive scene? Or is it too soon I, to tell? Yeah. Um, I think... The guys up here have been training in seven inch for the last, uh, I want to say three or four months, um, since worlds. And so I think they're kind of diving in as quickly as possible and kind of honing their skills in that ball type. So they're getting a lot of reps in with the throws and just kind of the, just the more dodging in that format. So I think you're going to see a lot of, foam players coming out of Seattle specifically, but the Northwest in the next year or two. Um, and some of those folks are guys who um, either played elite before and, you know, also play foam, but like maybe weren't like, um, like game changers in 8.5 rubber, but they're super familiar with foam and, pretty lethal with the foam ball nice um, yeah yeah there's i think yeah you're gonna see you're gonna start seeing a lot of seattle folks coming out balling when it when foam when the foam round comes around in phoenix in round two i was just gonna ask too like i wonder if how many of them will see since they got to come to us uh, come april so that's cool um just confirm that i'm actually gonna be there i mean i got no excuse not to it's here in tempe so but I'll be, uh, I'll look back to this conversation to see like, okay, how many people from the PMW are we, are we noticing making plays? But, um, I guess speaking of, we can kind of go into the highlights. So you'd, you'd wrote down a couple one, uh, you said one V one versus coach Brett. So is this like a, a coach battle between you and him or what was that? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> when, when, uh, when our teams met up in the round Robin, uh, it, it was arranged that coach Brett and I would do a one V one for the first game. And I'd been thinking about this for some time. And I, I was, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to impress my fellow coach. And so I was, I was aiming for his head. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you I impress wanted, people. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's the best way. Uh, but, yeah, our, so when the whistle, the first game started, the whistle blew, both of our teams stepped off the court and Brett rushed for the three balls and I rushed for three balls and it was just us on the court. And it felt like like a heavyweight bout that was like 
slated to go 12 rounds and it only went like one because <laughs> I lost <laughs> like on the third throw. Uh, I think I took two shots at Brett. He took two at me and I finger blocked and <laughs> it was like the most anticlimactic <laughs> 1v1 ever. And like, I don't think he thought I was out, but like I could feel it and I kind of like took a second to process and I just dropped my ball and raised my hand and was like, yeah, that hit. And everyone was like, well, okay, that was that. But uh, there was, it was awesome. It was awesome to kind of have that moment with Brett and just everything that we've gone through together with Team USA and as coaches to finally be players and kind of share the court together have that moment so i definitely want to thank both of our teams for making that happen that's uh that's kind of funny but also kind of you're just like oh man to go out like that and then i totally feel you <laughs> on the uh on the finger hit because sometimes you're just like in the middle of you know you, you got that guy you're just gonna run him or her down and you're like i'm gonna murder you and then all of a sudden you're like wait no 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 no, no hold on slow down i got i'm just gonna run out of bounds now because i got hit I, I know that delayed <sighs> feeling just that process processing it it's such a such a bummer way to go sometimes yeah yeah i I, it was i knew i had more to offer than that but (laughs) you know what sometimes you don't earn you don't earn any more than that yeah i uh i pictured you guys playing in full suits like full-on coach battle so maybe hopefully we can get a repeat some point yeah i would would love i would love to have another shot at coach brett (laughs) one-on-one and uh, I'll, i'll train every night and day until that moment Oh god, oh, we're gonna have to have that then. We have to hype that up and make sure it happens during uh, maybe nationals or or something. <laughs> I would love to see it. Um, actually, speaking of, before we go into more of the highlights, uh, would there be footage of anything coming out? Like any, like was this live streamed at all, or like are there yeah, clips out there yeah. floating around that we can look forward yeah, to? Yeah, there there is footage, um, and actually there's footage of that, so I can oh, I can perfect. share that with you, Steve. But <laughs> yes. um, yeah, Fortune, our team videotaped most of our matches thanks to Bill Fisher, Bills you know, always awesome with the video footage. Um, I think Tori Thompson, who came up from LA and played with uh, Recon, um, his new team, um, they took footage of all their matches. And then Bill also streamed a bunch of matches on Facebook Live, which was a new thing for us. And I know it was a big headache to get the streaming figured out, but he he got it figured out and streamed uh, a good portion of the round robin and knockout matches on both the open division as well as the women's division. Nice. Good stuff. Um, is it Recon or Reckon? What was your first, it, what was your first impression? Uh, <laughs> I won't, I won't tell you my first impression, but um, I know that they are Recon. Yes. Um, we know that now. <laughs> that's the pronunciation that, um, I will use forever. So that's that's what I learned. R e k o n recon. Yep, that was. Uh, I know it's been on the threads lately. But um, going back to to highlights, so you noted anytime a seizure was on the court. Um, I mean, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, gosh, a I mean, even in Team USA, like practices and scrimmages, like he he can be the best player on the court and is a lot of the time and just getting to see him up close. And when he's in his comfort zone, there's no one scarier, uh, in seven inch foam. Uh, he's just, he's electric. He, he can do it all. So he, he put on a show at the crush. Um, he played with Brett's team. Uh, their team was pretty incredible. Um, it was Eric Jones, um, Gordo from Task Force, Nico Nodal from Task Force, who's recovering from shoulder surgery. So he was playing lefty and still still making an impact. Uh, Glenn Spacer, Brett Furlong, uh, Cody Stidham, and Isidro Dang. was the roster. And they were called Thick Boys. And they actually <laughs> they ended up winning it all. Um, and they defeated Crisis in the championship match. And Crisis was uh, led by Andrew Ketchum and Brett Baxter, Ryan Morris, Maddox, Tad DeLugo. And the baller cameo was uh, Rolina. 
played with them in the open division. Oh, nice. And uh, so that, so a lot of, a lot of awesome traveling players, you, you could call them ringers, um, really, really putting on a show and a lot of local players. This is the first time they ever got to see these guys up close, these guys and gals. And uh, I think people just loved getting to see like what they were capable of. That's awesome. And um, so that, that was your third point, Rolina balling out in the open division. So with, with crisis. Yeah. Ro- Rolina is uh, so fierce and clutch, you know, whenever she's in, in a match, it's, it's never over until she's out uh, just because of her ability to snipe and get players out with her curve, the curve on her throw, as well as just her clutch catching and just kind of just clutch mentality. Um, so yeah, she, she was balling and uh, I think a lot of people were super impressed who hadn't seen her before. Oh yeah. If you haven't seen her before, then learn at your own peril, but learn quickly. Cause she is a, uh, what was it? Dane Cook say she's a BAMF. I'm just trying to keep this PG rated. We already had our one swear word. So she's definitely a BA as they say. Um, yeah. you said, so Venom from, uh, British Columbia, BC. Yeah. So Venom, Venom came down and Venom, if I'm not mistaken, is, uh, team BC's representative, um, at, they they won at provincials so like they're the way that canada works is there's like regionals provincials they call them um or states maybe down here right. and uh and the the top teams from provincials qualify for nationals and then at nationals they, they kind of not only are they playing for the national championship but players are also vying to be seen by scouts um so anyways team Anyways, Venom, from my understanding, is the number one women's team in BC and will be representing at nationals. And the players in BC, for the most part, have 8.25 foam background. And it's only been in the last year or two that folks have started really training in seven inch foam. There is a seven inch foam community out in Victoria, which has been kind of isolated. But now that like uh, Vancouver is playing more seven inch foam and Seattle's playing seven inch foam, like a lot of these connections are happening. But Venom is kind of the top team right now. And I expect them to just keep getting better and better as their familiarity with this ball um, increases. But they have some special players and they crushed, um, excuse me, forgive me, forgive the pun, but they rocked it in the women's division. And, um, I caught the championship match and they were, they were definitive champions. They, they were, they won hands down and, uh, looked like they could, they could get even better in the next, uh, year and leading up to nationals over in Edmonton. Oh, wow. So that so, was yeah. a pretty definitive win then, or deci- I won't say decisive, but yeah, they, yes. they were clearly clearly the winners. I want to say they won 4-2 or 4-1. I, I'll have to check that score, but yeah, definitive winners. And, um, and, it, and I think I just mentioned the score, but we actually did we actually did experimented with a different format for knockout. Um, so for and I wanted to touch on this. So I think this might be a good time to talk about it, but for round Robin, we did 12 minute matches and at the end of 12 minutes, it would go into no block hmm. and the winner of the no block would win that last game. And, uh, we actually had a time limit on the no block. It was like a one minute, no block. If, if it wasn't over in one minute, then we called it based on whichever team had more players. So that was the round Robin. And then the knockout, which I took a chance on, we actually went with the single elimination best of seven that you saw at Elite last year. Right. Instead of doing a timed match. And I know the timed match is like WDBF World Championship style, but I, 
I have a big issue with stalling in knockout matches. I just I feel like I feel like a a match that is gonna settle a tournament or is gonna send a team home shouldn't be decided by the time. And especially when you're having to cut matches short, like if you don't have a full 40 minutes to do a WDBF match, um, then I almost feel like it's not worth it to do a timed match. And we were, we were also facing some, some gym conditions where one side of the gym had a, like a heavy curtain and the other side we had to build nets. And so like the sides weren't totally even. So so, you know, you might end up in a situation where if you're playing with time, you have one team that's throwing against a wall that would get rebounds versus a team that is stuck on that wall. And when they throw, their ball just dies and is a turnover. And so I was thinking I wanted to kind of avoid that situation where a team in the lead could stall and stall out and win. And so I took a chance and did a best of seven and I kind of, I came up with a time estimate for each match and I estimated that they would be about half an hour long. And so I kind of built the entire tournament with that um, half an hour estimate for the knockout round and kind of built everything backwards and everything that was left over was used for round robin. And so I was kind of banking on that estimate to work. Uh, it was a little worrisome at first, um, but we we cruised we cruised through we stayed on schedule and we got through the 17 team bracket on the open side and the 10 team bracket on the women's side uh, on time so nice. it worked out but anyways venom crushed it and they they won four matches and i think rogue their opponent um won one or two i'll have to check that out and this is um in the notes, he said Rogue, a Seattle women's team, but then parentheses, Aaron, I'm assuming Gabbard? Or is this? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the team that faced Rogue in the championship match in the women's division was, uh, sorry, the team that played Venom was Rogue, a local team for the most part, with a bunch of Seattle women who are hardcore Dodgers. Nice. And, and then they were joined by Aaron Gabbard from Los Angeles and and then I think also Maria um, O'Farrell from Portland. She's kind of a new player, but she's got an incredible arm. And uh, and I think that they, they really wanted to get her involved. And then I think the rest of the players were Seattle players, but it was a new team that had never really played before. And they, they went all the way to the championship match. So nice. it was like, a really impressive first showing for them. Um, so something to kind of keep your eye on, like those ladies might stick together and play together in the USA dodgeball premier uh, circuit. Circuit. So is that, is that the official title? <laughs> I don't know. I was trying <laughs> to remember what it's called. Premier series. <laughs> I think that's what it's called. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, cool. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm really excited to see what more, um, talent comes out of the Pacific Northwest. Um, one thing I've noticed uh, personally is just like how far the uh, Roybots have come since we first mentioned and talked about them. I think back during the Seattle Classic recap that we did two years ago and seeing that they've stuck together and they're obviously getting better. So it's just really cool seeing um, more more teams, more players, and and more talent being developed um, outside of out of the uh, you know the West you know, Arizona, California region. So this is exciting, man, to see, um, you know, where this is going to go and, and, and what the aftermath is going to look like, especially since you get, you've said, you've, you said that since Nash or worlds, people have been really putting the work in, uh, for foam. So that's cool. Um, yeah, those, those Roybots guys are all super good at foam, big, big foam, especially nice. 8.25, but they're, they've all been rewiring over the last four months and, have been learning seven inch and and we we've been playing seven inch maybe up here for about a year uh maybe a little more like uh, around worlds last year is when we switched our our competitive league over to seven inch foam um so those yeah those roybot guys are super locked in and there's going to be some other guys kind of coming out of the woodwork who are also really good 
I'm excited to uh, to see them and, and be able to talk about them. So that's awesome, man. Um, last highlight. Not sure if this is or why I kind of want to ask you why you wanted to list this one, but uh, Lizzie got a yellow card. Oh, yeah. opponents in the semifinal. I yeah, heard maybe, about that maybe, actually. Maybe not a highlight, but yeah. uh, definitely noteworthy. Yeah, Lizzie. <laughs> Lizzie was cussing on the court, cussing at opponents, and uh, I wasn't there. I didn't see it, but I definitely heard about it. And uh, the organizers had to slap her with a yellow card, so she she got benched for the first game of the championship match and Bench. rogue played down five, five V six, um, as kind of a penalty for kind of unsportsmanlike conduct. Huh. Um, so yeah, I talked to Lizzie about it later and she's like, yeah, like I have a temper <laughs> and we kind of laughed about it and she knew it was, you know, not a, not a great look. Um, but you know, we, you know, we, we do what we can and, uh, you know, hopefully everybody learned from that experience and, uh, and people learned that it's not okay to do that kind of thing. And, uh, and also that, you know, unsportsmanlike behavior will get you and get you suspended. Yeah. There's, there's a consequence for that now. Yeah. Which I guess is good. And then I guess maybe a secondary tertiary consequence as we talk about it in one of the recaps. So I don't know if we want to make that a thing moving forward. Uh, Sorry, Lizzie, if you're listening, but um, I mean, it's it's definitely an issue. I know people um, talk about it, which is why it made its way all the way to me um, randomly. I forgot who I was talking to about it. I was like, huh, Lizzie, I didn't think she was like that. But I mean, I've had my moments, so I'm going to pretend like I don't lose my temper sometimes. But uh, definitely worth uh, keeping it in check when you can. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, I mean, I guess I think like anyone out there listening who is – <laughs> hasn't had their temper uh totally figured out in the in the dodgeball world it's like it's very little you can do in the heat of a moment to uh resolve anything with uh like fury and and like yelling you know like usually it's gonna just make things worse for you so like the best thing to do is just to vent with a teammate and maybe a captain and have that person go report whatever it is to whoever needs to hear it. But like, uh, you know, yelling across the court or, you know, yelling at the refs, any, you know, that kind of stuff always makes it worse. Yeah. That does. You're, you're hundred percent right. And, um, I've had my moments, like I said, and I, I realized like, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Like, do you feel better? No. Did you change anything? No, you just feel stupid now. So, but, um, so I definitely, again, going back to, um, trying to keep this within an hour with, uh, your time consideration. Um, Sergio Leon going to some of the crowdsource questions I was able to pull. He asks, um, we kind of talked about, it, but throw it out there anyway, will the crush be a new staple added to tournaments like the Seattle classic that people can expect to look forward to on an annual basis? Actually, I'm glad to re-ask because I was asking, is this going to take the place of the Seattle classic? Is it in addition to you kind of mentioned your three year plan, but where does, where does crush fit in with, uh, moving forward all those other ones yeah yes. yeah um I, I mean after this year we definitely we definitely got to run it back so for yes. sure um people can plan on uh marking their calendars for next february we'll probably try to do something the weekend closest to valentine's day i think that's kind of what we're shooting for at this point hmm. um and hopefully 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 usa dodgeball doesn't schedule anything in that time period but i'll I'll check in with Jake well in advance to make sure that that works out. But yeah, we're, we're going to do it again. And, um, you know, hopefully it'll be even better. We'll kind of smooth out any of the little rough edges we had this time and just make it even more fun. Nice. Gage Young asked, I'm actually really curious to this one. What is your uh, preferred ball type? Oh man. Right now my favorite to play with is seven inch foam. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think traditionally, like 8.5 rubber is is kind of my my bread and butter, my favorite, my heart and soul. Yeah. Um. I guess like if I was like a NBA basketball player, I would want to like go back to 8.5 rubber before I retire to get my jersey kind of retired in, in that ball type. But um, right now I I'm in I'm loving everything about seven inch and just how challenging it is, um, how fast it is how how powerful every thrower is with it um 
you you know you can't you can't take plays off the way you can in 8.5 um, once you have the big thrower out on the opponent yeah it's uh i feel the same and and man retiring your jersey in an 8.5 fashion that is like the best way to like portray how I feel about 8.5 and, and moving, <laughs> moving forward to foam, which I'm totally fine with doing now. Like I'm actually really enjoying it, but I, I got you with that. 8.5 is my soul. Like, I, like I, I want to rest that in a good place before I finally stop throwing those beautiful balls ever again. Um, that sounded super weird. So I'm just gonna, gonna move on. Oh. No, no. I, <laughs> right. Like if there was a way to like pledge your allegiance to 8.5 and love seven inch, that's, that's what I would do. And right? not be torn. Yep. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I get that, man. I'm always always going to love 8.5. Um, um, Vince asks, um, and he addresses you as Coach Lou, going back to the many versions of Lou that's out there. Um, yeah. Who was scouting women's? Um, so, yeah, what's, was this a scouted event? I know we kind of talked about how this wasn't really a USA Dodgeball thing, but um, was anybody yeah. scouting women at all or players in general or – there was there was not like a women's scout in the building, um, so from that respect, that's definitely like kind of a missed opportunity. Um, given that there was like a lot of top players in the Northwest um, in attendance from the women's side, um, so to answer Vince's question, there was no one. There was no one scouting the women's. However, um, uh, I do. I did and continue to check in with a lot of the players just to kind of find out who was, who was balling on that side. I, it's one thing I love to do at an event and at the after party is just ask people who, who impressed them, who is their personal MVP. And I love just kind of hearing everyone's thoughts and especially, you know, some of the kind of more rare or original choices, you know, so. Um, there's eyes everywhere, but there was a, we did not have a women's dedicated women's scout in the gym. So eyes everywhere notes, not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. For sure. Um, bit of an off ball question. Markel says, or asks, do you miss the supersonics? Um, I guess oh. they're not a team anymore or <laughs> shows what I know. Yeah, I do. I do Markel, but you know, I, I grew up in Seattle and I was watching the Sonics as a kid. And uh, after a few years after they left, I decided I had to pick a new team. And so I've been rooting for the New Orleans Pelicans. So they've they've kind of filled my my void for a basketball team. And they've kind of given me everything I could have hoped for, all the joys and pains of rooting for a basketball team. Why the Pelicans and, and why New Orleans, I guess? <laughs> Uh, the Pelicans, um, they were one of the teams that was kind of rumored to like possibly move to Seattle. Um, it was Sacramento and New Orleans were like the two that were kind of rumored. Right. And I think that was Anthony Davis's first year on the Pelicans. And everyone at the time was like, oh yeah, we'd love to get the Kings. And I think the Pelicans were kind of overlooked and, so they were kind of on my radar at that point. And then when my buddy and I were interested in rooting for a team, uh, we were like, hey, we've never rooted against the Pelicans because they weren't a team when we were watching the Sonics. So let's 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 make them our team. So they're kind of a clean slate. So we went with the Pelicans. That makes sense. I was just like, man, follow thinking like trailblazers maybe not that i even want to pretend like i know my basketball but that was that would have been like my default had i been in those guys but i mean they were like the rivals right so like it's hard to to switch to that jump jump bandwagons to your rival um whereas like with the internet it's so easy to like watch matches from teams that are like far away so uh, distance and proximity wasn't really an issue Okay, that makes sense, and that's that shows exactly what I know about basketball. Like, clearly, I would have made like the wrong choice and upset a lot of my uh, <laughs> my supersonic uh, friends by going for the the enemy. But um, uh, I should I should just mention that I am obsessed with basketball. So if anyone out there ever wants to talk basketball, just just poke me. I, I love the NBA. Um, so yeah, but we'll just leave it there. <laughs> nice. I wish I could, man. Um, especially with the Suns being here, but. 
another time. Um, so let's go into shout outs real quick since we've got a couple minutes left. Um, you'd mentioned that you would ask people at the after party what names stood out to you. Is, is that something you can kind of speak to just from what comes to memory at all? Or I did want to ask yeah, that. Yeah, uh, a, a couple section. people. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, gosh. Let me rack my brain a little bit. Um, I mean, Rolina definitely impressed a lot of people. Um, who had never seen her play before. Um, and, but, you know, if you play competitive dodgeball, you, you respect really. Yeah. I was going to so. say that's nothing new until you said from people that have never seen her play before. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, who else, who else, uh, you can edit out like any dead time. Cause I'm stalling right now <laughs> while I quickly play Facebook search. Let's see here. There was a team that came from Victoria or, or they had players from Victoria and um, they were, I think they had some players from Vancouver, BC as well. But um, a lot of people told me that they were super impressed with their ability to catch. And I think part of that is just being so familiar with seven inch foam. Um, so, and their, their team, I think was the Vancouver's. Nice. Um, so they were they were balling, and then let me see if I can get who else were people talking about. I I wanted to give a personal shout out to uh, Nico Nodal. Um, he he underwent shoulder surgery earlier this year, and and he was out there throwing left handed and competing and really. Um, really doing everything he could to contribute to, and his, his team won the championship and, and he is really taking care of his right arm and he's not using it. It's, you know, it's recovering. And it, I think Dodgewellers struggle coming back from injuries and struggle dealing with injuries and to see Nico staying involved and also uh, being smart and not risking further injury by throwing, um, I mean, being out there is always a risk, but he was out there and he was playing lefty and um, making catches and, you know, changing up his game to kind of modify his game for the skill set. And, uh, and still yeah, being he, a, a factor, like, hey, don't sneeze on this yeah. guy. He, he still yeah, can't I mean, he's, the game. He is, a, he is a true champion. Like, he's, That's I, awesome. It's always fun watching me go, go to work. Uh, what other shout-outs do I want to give? Um there's a player on Venom named Karen, and her last name is Vander Digikin. <laughs> I, oh, I don't know how to pronounce it, Karen. I'm sorry, but Karen, Karen has got an incredible throw with seven-inch foam. She's got an incredible throw with 8.25, but it really has translated well to seven-inch, and so she is super powerful. And I think. The only games that Venom lost in the championship game were games that she got out early in. Um, so she seems to be like a big key to that team's success. Um, so Karen definitely gets a shout out. Um, if we were awarding MVPs, she, I think she would get the MVP from, from myself. Um, and then over on the men's side, uh, I want to give a shout out to Andrew Ketchum because he <laughs> he was really worried about his team and round robin and was just concerned and he was like, I don't know if we have what it takes and and uh, you know like there's a lot of like fear going from round robin to the knockout stage and you can project how you're going to finish. And I think he was a little nervous and anxious about the way things were going. And mm -hmm. those guys and, and, and Rolina like came together and made a huge run to the championship match. And, and they really came together and, and I imagine that Andrew was a part of that. Um, because usually his teams, he's the X factor in a lot of his teams. So 
I'm imagining that whatever he said in the huddle <laughs> was the right thing <laughs> because they because they turned it on and they made it all the way to the championship match. And I think it actually went to seven games and uh, uh, it was pretty awesome. Uh, also, shout out, shout out, shout out to uh, the Team USA guys, Cody Stidham and Glenn and Coach Brett. Like those guys, it was awesome to watch them in action and also just kind of just be classy and represent USA Dodgeball. You know, a lot of people are looking at you when you're a visitor and when you're a new player and and these guys represented so well. They played so well and their integrity was super high and um, everything you could ask for from uh, your national team players. Nice. Wanted to uh, real quick kind of go back to catch him. Um, in 2016, uh, Boston or Elite, uh, New Orleans Nationals. Um, I feel like he really did pull us out of a bad spot because we were we were going uh, downward spiral pretty fast and pretty early. And he he just kind of went full captain mode and said some pretty inspiring, motivating stuff and and got us to the finals. Um, so I kind of want to side with you on whatever. Maybe maybe he was maybe it wasn't him at all, but um, I've definitely seen it firsthand. Um, you mentioned Cody Glenn and Brett. Um, I did want to also ask, like, who also was just instrumental in making this thing happen? Like, was this all you? Not to make it sound like that, but um, in terms of, like, standout volunteers, refs, or anything like that that you wanted to shout as well? Yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, it was definitely a community effort. Um, Dodgeball Seattle has, like, a pretty amazing support network. Um but yeah, we had people like building like net posts and showing up at 7 a.m. at the gym nice. just to help set up. You know, they didn't have to be there until 10 and they got there three hours early to help set up. We had like a whole team of people. There's like 10, 12 people, just incredible, incredible, incredible support. And just, just a really an awesome testament to like how much people love Dodgeball here and how much people love the community and want to help. Um, so the setup, the setup crew was incredible. Um, day of, we had a couple hosts. We had two, two hosts, Jaime Mendez and Sam Barry, who are both players here in Seattle, and they both um, volunteered their day to just kind of help run the show. Nice. And so they were on the microphone giving players countdowns as time was running out in the round robin, calling out court assignments, kind of helping helping refs get to courts, just kind of overseeing everything. Um, so, you know, like you can't do it without, without them. Uh, so the, they were such, so instrumental. Um, I think all the traveling players uh, deserve just a lot of thanks just for going out on a limb and coming to a tournament in Seattle, just cause it looked kind of fun. Like it just made it very special for the scene here um and we had a we had a we had a, a couple teams coming to their first tournament ever um there's a there's a few leagues up here in washington that are just starting and so there was there was a team that this was their first tournament and they came out and they had a blast and they represented and um you know just people like that who take that leap of faith to come try it out and ultimately that's what it's all about right is recruiting new new players to this sport and continuing to share this game we love um last thank yous that i wanted to share were go to uh fom say chow one of the board members up here in seattle uh fom hosts like our street dodgeball game year round and they hosted like a like a, a meet and greet the night before the tournament where they invited oh, cool. players to come and play 8.5 out at the street courts. And then we did like a bar crawl afterwards. Uh, so FOM did that. And FOM also provided the snack table. We had a best snack table, just so much. And FOM, FOM went to Costco and loaded up and just got a whole truckload of food. And it's, and it's part of the tournament budget. So everybody... Everyone who, who is in the tournament is welcome to eat for free. And so um, Bomb did all of that. And then the last person I want to thank is just Bill Fisher. Um, Bill just is so hardworking. Our goal is usually to uh, 
find ways to take to-do lists away from Bill because Bill is always offering to do so much. Um, but Bill put together the round robin schedules and uh, anyone who's done a round robin schedule knows that those are terrifying. And so he did a 17 team four court round robin schedule for the open division and then a, a 10 team two court round robin schedule for the women's division. And he, I think he built like a, did some coding and programming just to like figure it out. Um, so just putting in a lot of work that uh, is not noticed on the surface, but is so important to making a smooth event. And, and then, uh, and then Bill also did the streaming. So on top of all the scheduling, he, he coordinated the streaming, which was a super cool, nice little treat to have um, in the mix and to share kind of the tournament experience with the, the greater dodgeball community. That's awesome. That, that's really cool about like the, the meet and greet and then the bar crawl for those of you that want to be social prior to a tournament. Um, talk about really like reinvesting in the community um, and showing that and what, what for, especially for the people that this is the first time competing, like that's always like one of the, the good benefits of, you know, rounds one through four is we're going to play balls to the wall to the very end. And then we're going to go party afterwards and just solidify that, that sense of belonging. And then back to Bill, um, Bill has just been awesome in every way possible. Like I, I love that guy um, so much that I always seem to hit him in the face on complete accident uh, every, every tournament, <laughs> but uh, I got nothing but good, say, good things to say about Bill. So, yeah, yeah, we're truly, we're truly lucky to have Bill and Fom and just kind of the, this community of folks up in Seattle. And yeah, it was, you know, it makes hosting a big tournament like this possible. For sure. Awesome, man. Um, I think, uh, like I said, just trying to keep this short out of consideration for your time. Um, I know you and I could probably talk for hours because we've done that before. Uh, total accidents. Uh, we're kind of talking about like worlds and whatnot. But um, yeah, dude, uh, thank you so much for reaching out to me to, to be able to give me this opportunity to cover it. But I think we'll go ahead and end the interview uh, there. Alrighty, so that was a recap of the first, uh, I want to say annual, uh, not to speak for you, Lucas, but um, the first annual uh, Crush Foam Dodgeball Tournament that took place um, on Saturday, February 15th, um, pretty much the same time as the um, East uh, Women's ra Random Draw, and um, like I said in the introduction, I really was not expecting to be able to cover both. Um, I did want to side towards the East Women's because that was a topic that I really wanted to discuss. In fact, if you have not heard the conversation with uh, Amanda Decker and uh, Jenny Hodge, really, really, really ask that you do that because I think it was actually a pretty good episode, covered a lot of really cool perspectives on uh, that whole thing. But um, thank you so much, Lucas, for, for reaching out to me and, and giving me this opportunity to, to talk about it because it was one of the things where I was like, man, I, I, I'm really bummed I had to let this one go, but I didn't have to, and I am very, very greedy, so could not... Uh, not snooze on the opportunity. So um, I guess on that note, I do want to say thank you to those of you that have reached out already. Um, when I kind of threw myself out there saying I want to talk to more people, um, particularly women, to discuss um, co-ed and women's divisions in different regions. So I am so glad I did that. And thank you again, everyone that's reached out to do so. I'm really looking forward to what's going to come out of it. And so the reason why I mentioned that is because throwing this out there again, if you have a conversation that you want to talk about or want to know about, um, that either myself or the um, Ball Out podcast has not covered yet, uh, by all means, let me know and I'll see um, how we can make that happen because um, I've got my agenda. There's tons of stuff, stuff I want to go for and cover, but um, who knows what's being uh, glossed over as, as an accident or um, unintentionally. But anyway, uh, coffee has finally hit in um, at a nice, healthy 8 p.m., so I'm going to uh, leave it there. So if you are still with me, thank you so much for, for listening. Have a great rest of your week, a great uh, weekend, and we'll see you next time. Steve, I should tell you one thing before you get started. What's that? I pronounce my name with a Spanish Dude, accent. That was weird. I was just going to ask you. I get it wrong all the time. 
Um, <laughs> it's okay. I just wanted to <laughs> let you know before we had to do a second I take. I really so going to ask you, like, okay, how do you actually, so it's Lou. Uh, it's like Lucas. Lucas. So you yeah. say Lucas. That sounds great. But anyway, but <laughs> thanks for the heads up. No problem. All right. Um, 